Have you ever found yourself questioning your position simply because you doubted your own abilities? How many times have you said no to a promising opportunity, paralyzed by that nagging feeling of inadequacy? It's that inner voice, the imposter within, that sabotages your confidence and prevents you from embracing new possibilities. And you are not alone in this. Uh, you know, I, like many others, walked into that school with a stigma in my own head. Uh, more young people nowadays call it imposter uh, syndrome. I don't know if they call it that in, in Britain, where uh, kids like me feel like they don't belong. And I had to work to overcome that question that I always ask myself, am I good enough? And I write about that. That's a question that has dogged me for a good part of my life. Um, am I good enough to have all of this? Am I good enough to be the first lady of the United States? These are the words of Michelle Obama, the former U.S. First Lady, where she talks about imposter syndrome despite her eight years as America's one of the most powerful women. A KPMG Women's Leadership Summit report revealed that nearly half of the executive women attribute their feelings of self-doubt to never expecting to reach the level of success they have achieved. Not only this, Harvard psychologist Amy Cuddy says that out of the thousands of emails she received from individuals sharing their experiences of imposter syndrome, about half of these emails came from men. So why does this happen? And more importantly, how can we overcome it? In this episode, we delve into the reasons behind this self-doubt and explore effective strategies to conquer your inner imposter. From transitioning dilemmas like quitting or switching your job to the dreaded career breaks. From make or break situations like negotiating CTCs or handling feedback between peers. To people-related complexities like handling a difficult manager or a toxic work environment. Workwise, we cover it all. Hi, welcome to Workwise with Nokri, a show to help you work better and accelerate your career. Today we have with us Eka Chaturvedi Banerjee, erstwhile CEO and now the board member at Future Group. She is a renowned corporate mythologist, a best-selling author and a sought-after speaker on transformation and personal development. With over two decades of experience in senior corporate leadership, Eka is now pursuing her purpose by founding Ekam Resonance, the wisdom organization from India for the world, where she, along with her team members of researchers and practitioners, delve into ancient scriptures to find solution to the challenges of today. Hi, Eka. Firstly, welcome to Workwise with Nokri. Thank you, Sankalp. And it's a pleasure indeed to be here. Same here. So excited to have you on the show. And uh, the episode that we're shooting today discusses topic about how to cope with an imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Now, the definition on the internet about mm -hmm. imposter syndrome says that it is a feeling of uh, being anxious, not feeling the kind of success internally, despite mm -hmm. having success metrics high on the outward front, doing everything to the best of your abilities. So... I want to firstly understand, could you help me decode this definition? Because it's it's slightly meta in, in a lot I, of contexts. 
I mean, for me, the simplest way of understanding imposter syndrome is actually something that we've all felt at different stages of our life, right? Mm-hmm. We're constantly aspiring. We're constantly reaching out. We're constantly chasing much bigger dreams, much bigger ambitions. And somehow suddenly, because, because that chase has been such a long chase, Hmm. That desire, that aspiration, whether it's for a job, frankly, whether it's for a spouse, whether it's for an educational qualification, that we, we've lived so far and deep in that chase, in that desire, in that aspiration, that frankly, when it gets fulfilled, we're not prepared for it. So we feel rather inadequate about it, right? Now, honestly, the fact that you've got it is because clearly you're worthy of it. Hmm. Right. Uh, But because you've spent so much of time, space and energy in the chase, in the quest, that you're not sure you deserve what's happening to you right now. And honestly, that's the the simple uh, emotional definition of what an imposter syndrome is, where you feel like an imposter in the room, where you get the sense that everybody around you seems to know so much and you don't or everybody around you deserves this place so much and you think you're not Mm. and that is what manifests as as the imposter syndrome then but you know when we come to think of it you know we've been raised all our lives trying to tell us that you know you can do better there is always scope for improvement Mm. You know, that, uh, okay, this is fine, but look at that person, hmm. you know, or that kid. Sharma you know? ji ka beta. Sharma ji ka beta, correct. <laughs> you can do better. So, I mean, if I see it from a different lens, hmm. then it's, it's is it a, is it too big a problem in your view? Why are we calling it an imposter syndrome? It sounds like a very heavy word. It sounds like a problem to me that people are dealing with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't even know they're dealing with it. So, my sense of it is that we always have an external world devising our narrative hmm. we always have whether it's it's our parents our neighbors our teachers our leaders our bosses our peer group it doesn't matter who it is but we always have an external world that is creating aspirations and targets and comparison markers for us that's fine i suspect that this whole imposter syndrome is a more internal conversation how are you feeling about so my mother could tell me that look at Sharma ji ki beti and look at how well they've done. And you just got 95 marks. You should get yeah. 98 marks. That's fine from my mother's perspective. She's hmm. only trying to get me to do better, goad me, urge me, perhaps motivate me. But that's an external environment. The question hmm. is what's happening inside of me. Okay. So inside of me, there are two kinds of emotions that could happen. And, and this is human behavior. because. Somebody else has got 98 and I've got 95. I can either feel inadequate and like a loser and say, I put in my best, Mm. but I am worth only 95. I'm not Mm. worth 98. The other is that I have let down those around. So Mm. there are a multiplicity of emotions happening inside of you at that time. The other one is my mother thinks I'm worth 98, but I am actually worth only 95. And I've let my mother down. Mm. That's imposter again, mm. right? In its own form. The third is me knowing deep inside that I've got 95, but honestly, had I put in a little more hard work, I could have been a 98. Mm. But that 
that difference of 95 to 98 in that last case is not a function of who else has got 98. Hmm, correct. It's my race with my own self. So very often, I expect the imposter syndrome manifests when we are unable to meet our own expectations. Or when we've met those expectations. Yeah, correct. But didn't think we could or we would. Or we deserved. Or we deserved. And that's something, you know, I've done my MBA and mm. that, that's a very personal experience. Mm. There were there were different kind of people in the batch. Mm. Some of us used to feel that, okay, we're sitting for placements and, you know, there is this, uh, these companies are coming, but they, they, they want us and we have to put up a show, show yes. that, you know, we're confident. Uh, we want to ace the interviews. We, we are go-getters. We're going to do everything. We're going to transform the company. We'll come first. <laughs> we'll come first. You know, we will come to the company and uh, we'll be the best asset that they've ever seen as if everybody else working there for tens of years are just fools. <laughs> yes. But deep down, there were conversations about exactly what am I going to do? Uh, you know, because deep down, I have no experience and, and these people are taking me or I've got this placement, mm. but do I really deserve it? Mm. What if they find out mm. that I know nothing? Mm. You know, that that feeling, is that imposter syndrome? Of course it is, 100% imposter syndrome. It's not about gender, it's not about age, it's not about race. It's a human syndrome. It's not, uh, you know, feeling feelings of anxiety and panic and living up and undeserving. And it's great that you bring the aspect about gender mm-hmm. because, you know, by, because before this interview, I was doing some research of my own. Mm. And there is good amount of research that tells me that women, at least in the corporate and professional space, mm. experience imposter syndrome much more than men. And that manifests in the form of how they're negotiating their CTCs, about how they feel about themselves when they're assigned a task, about how they have to mm. tell the world and their managers mm. and the leadership that they deserve what they're asking for, mm. it manifests in different forms and mm. particularly more in women. Mm. So, what, do you, what is your take on so this? So, Sankalp, I've actually been the CEO of a fairly large corporation yeah, with very complex stakeholders, right? So, we, we were a public-private partnership between a very large uh, conglomerate, Indian conglomerate and the government of India. Mm-hmm. So, dealing with multiple stakeholders, most men, some women, uh, people of all, across all strata of society. My sense of this is that we overplay it with women because it's easier to study its manifestation with women. Right? Okay, and how so? Because there is a lot of focus on women in the corporate workplace, right? Whether it is women in leadership roles, whether it is uh, in the whole diversity and inclusion conversation. So we've just not, we've not manifested it more in women, but we've studied it more as far as women are concerned. To which an interesting conversation, Sankalp, is what are the manifestations of the imposter syndrome? Yeah. How do we know somebody is going through that, right? Or we are going so, through it ourselves. Or we are going through it ourselves. Yeah. Right? So it's easier to figure out the guilt of a woman as an imposter syndrome. These are very quantifiable metrics. We've quantified a salary negotiation, a board position negotiation, a leadership role negotiation. And therefore, we know that we are manifesting an imposter syndrome. Mm. Or a sense of getting more than I deserve there. But if you go deep down into the imposter syndrome, and that's what we were talking about, in terms of it is eventually your relationship with your own self. That's right. Right? It's an emotion or a feeling that's inside of you that it may manifest. One aspect of its manifestation is in negotiations Hmm. and boardroom positions and places on the table, top table. Fascinating. But... What I uh, want to understand is because workplace is where after a certain age we spend our majority of the yes. time, right? 
So what should one do, particularly at workspace where you are being evaluated by your managers, not just with the work that you do, mm. but with how you carry yourself, mm. how you present yourself, especially in a managerial position. The way you speak, the way you carry yourself, mm. the way you project yourself mm. is often more important than, you know, what you actually produce or probably it's as important as it is. Correct. You can't go to the HR. No. You can't go to your manager and say, listen, you know, I think you've given me a raise. Mm. I think you've given me a team of five people. But I am I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, there is this voice inside me constantly doubting me saying that maybe you don't deserve it. Okay, let's handle this at two levels. The first level is the act and the behavior from the outside. Hmm. That, like you rightly said, Sangap, you can get away with it sometime. But it'll catch up. Eventually, it'll catch up. If it doesn't catch up externally, if you're not caught out externally, it'll catch up with you internally, you'll implode. Hmm. So I, I remember... Uh, uh, I, I was a fairly young CEO, right? So I was the CEO of this organization when I was just 37. Yeah. And uh, most of my team was much older than me. Tricky. Uh, actually, older, more experienced and more skilled than me. It's so tricky. Team. I think so. And, and that's what will come to the second part of that conversation. But for me, I still remember that I went through that, that whole feeling of... So I remember I had a chief operating officer, my one down, who was very convinced that he should have been the CEO, right? Mm. I was coming in from outside. Not, not even from the industry and taking on as the CEO oh, wow. role. And he was very convinced. He was also about 10 years, 12 years older than I was. And very convinced that he should have been the CEO. And we played our parts, mm. right? So at, at every meeting, he would publicly and loudly pull me down oh. uh, or doubt my decisions. And I would stay firm on mine and, and carry mm. forward with it. I still remember going through that initial phase of that doubt within my own self, which said that, do I play the role of the alpha CEO who knows it all? And in my case, I knew I didn't. And nobody can right. know everything, right? And here I was up against stalwarts who knew their business. Mm. And therefore, in wisdom of performance, yeah. right? And strictly in wisdom of performance, I actually chose to go very brutally honest. So I would walk into a meeting and uh, my team would walk in and they would also walk in, you know, impressing the CEO with, with a lot of jargon, mm. fancy Buzz presentations and, and Excel sheets yeah. and big words being used, mm. etc. And I would actually stop and I said, uh, sorry, I don't understand this. And I remember for the first few times that I said this, there was there was shock on their faces, you know. Harm she she, she's supposed to know she doesn't know this. She disclosed it also. Yeah, and she's telling us she doesn't know what is <laughs> yeah. she the CEO for, right? <laughs> and I would turn around and say, I said, uh, gentlemen, why are we doing this? I mean, if it is so obvious, then it should be obvious to you. And I would actually say, I said, you know what? Let's take this a step back. Explain this to me like you were talking to a four-year-old. And I know that for the first couple of months, it stumped them. I don't think they uh, they never heard any CEO behave like that mm. ever. And they were wondering why I was even there. But you know, Sankalp, in hindsight, that honesty, you know, so one part of it was feeling undeserving that I shouldn't have been the CEO. The other part of it was saying that, now that I am, I might as well live up to. And again, that whole thing of Sharma Ji ka beta. I can't be a CEO like this person, that or person, that or the third person. Or the ones who were before you. Or the ones who were before me. Yeah. I can only be the best version of my own self. You're the yes. CEO. Your boss yes. is sitting. Yes. What if your boss turns around and says, you know, that you should know thing. this. Why are you asking this? You don't even know this. And I would. And you're, by you're the way, that's months, happened. No? That's, oh, happened. That's, hap what that's happened. That's happened. That's happened. And, and my boss was a very, very senior promoter very yeah. well-known promoter right? and they may, they may mean well they yeah, may yeah, be good yeah, people yeah, yeah, yeah. So he but said, it's human so I said he said that and we had a conversation like this only when I went and I said sir my first review and I went and I said sir this 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 is 
This is what is happening. He said, now do you go solve it? Mm. <laughs> I said, sir, but I have a problem. He said, now, hey, yeah. I said, sir, but this, this and this is not adding up. What yeah. am I missing in this? Yeah. In as many words, I said that. Yeah. So he looked at me, he stepped back and he actually told his office boy, he said, this will take time. Correct. And then we both stepped back and we sat down. But dropping those facades allowed both of us to be authentic and actually learn. Okay. The emperor's new clothes. I pretend I'm wearing clothes. You pretend I'm wearing fancy clothes. Hmm. Neither of us are willing to accept the fact that actually I'm sitting there absolutely in the buff. Yeah. <laughs> right. And none of us learn. Correct. Right. Correct. So somebody needs to call this out. This uh, brings me to my next question, mm. you know, in the work context. Mm. So you say that there are signs that you can see that there's something off, yes. right? Yes. There is a, you can spot probably an imposter Absolutely. syndrome from the outside. Absolutely. So what can organizations do about it? I think there are two things that organizations can do. One is, of course, focus on their culture. Mm. If, if an organization is the kind of place where uh, aggression, where uh, hard tasking, where a lot of whipping and, and bad language and high pressure systems are in place, uh, those are obviously organizations where it's even more difficult to be my authentic self. Hmm. A, I am already at battle with myself. I already think I'm undeserving and then I need to put out the facade that much more. And then the culture of the organization needs and demands uh, me to be a certain the angry, yeah. alpha, aggressive uh, leader. So therefore, the organizations ask of saying that we don't need an alpha, aggressive leader. Hmm. We need you to be achieving and performing. But we don't need you to be obnoxious, aggressive, arrogant or alpha. That's not the kind of leader we want. We mask this misbehavior yeah. with ag- aggression, yeah. alpha, but it's actually performance-driven, it's uh, so ambitious. It's, it's actually just it's being uh, misbehaved. Absolutely. So culture, in, culture, in the context of what are you driving? Mm. Uh, but more importantly, and this will need probably the next level of awareness by organizations, is the kind of leader we are supporting, promoting, growing within the organization. Mm. Right? So a lot of organizations that I work with, especially the more matured organizations, they're very clear about their business practices and ethics. So you could be the best performer. Mm. But if you violate either a people code, so you're rude to somebody, you abuse somebody, uh, you're aggressive, you're angry, uh, etc., it's it's non-negotiable. Mm. Uh, or if you violate an ethical practice, etc., that's non-negotiable. Right. So that's what organizations can do. Uh, one is culture. The other is the kind of leaders we are supporting. And that's also really part of the culture. The third thing, which I think is is a newer sensitization among organizations, but a lot of them are discovering, you spoke about mental health, is watch for your employees, not just at the leadership level, mm. but watch for your employees where you're seeing consistent patterns of anger, of fear, of irritation, of panic, of anxiety, of hurt because somewhere they're struggling with themselves lovely that really summarizes what organizations can do and i think from a person suffering from or going through an Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome i think also we should normalize it i think what i've understood from your from this conversation is that everybody goes through it some point in time or the other for some it could be a prolonged period for some it could be it could it could be sporadic but everybody experiences it one way or the other and while you may be just entering uh, your corporate life or you may be the CEO. You may feel uh, it because new things 
are intimidating and if you are living with that thought process that you don't deserve it then it's going to manifest till even if when you are 60 You know, it'll manifest in multiple levels, Uncle. In 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 younger ages, it'll manifest as fear and terrified of those mm. around you. As you grow a little older, it may manifest in the Superman or the Superwoman syndrome. Mm. I will do everything. I will be the best at everything. Uh, you grow a little older, and then it manifests even as being suspicious of your of your organization, of your uh, colleagues, of people around you. a uh, little older it even manifests as diffidence and being the victim and blaming um the larger ecosystem and the environment all these are manifestations of of that same one syndrome of i am not at peace with myself mm. i am undeserving of of what's around me of, of what i'm getting yeah. or frankly even i deserve more it's deserve it's, more. it's right. two aspects of the same coin right so uh, just one very pointed question mm. that i have and i think many of the listeners would also want to know mm. if you're entering in an organization mm. you do not have any exposure mm. of uh, workplace setup it's intimidating mm. the dynamics are different and this mm. could be even when you have your lateral hire you mm. worked for 2 3 years somewhere mm. else you're coming to another organization you're fairly new in the whole mm. uh, workspace mm. uh, setup mm. what can you do uh, apart from being curious because mm. that also i think is a privilege you are curious but can you put it across can you ask those question without being feared of being judged mm. and being are isko ye bhi nahi aata because mm. you are the new person in an already existing zoo right so let's go back again to the basics akal if you're entering an organization and you have a question the first level is the conversation within your own self mm. and i say this now as a manager so if i have a team member who comes to me and if there's a question the first conversations within your own self So whether is that question relevant, important, contextual? For that, you really need to know your work, mm. and you need to understand the problem you are solving for. Mm. So first, that conversation needs to happen within your own mm. self. Then, you need to bring up that conversation to your manager. If you are afraid to ask that question with your managers, it is not about you, na Sankal. You have been through that process with your own self. Then there is something wrong with the organization. that you can't place your question and it's not facilitating that atmosphere it is not facilitating that atmosphere for your own, but like i said the first conversations within your own self you have to take the first step you yourself. have to first be resolved because mm. otherwise you will only be blaming organization correct so if you're a newcomer in an organization but you're very certain about what you are so first you need to be the master of what you're knowing knowing and doing mm. and why you're asking that question you've done enough research by yourself and it's okay not to know it's okay it's, it's absolutely okay, okay yeah. not to know that's the best you could But do when you're doing it but what do you not know matlab oh, yeah. what right. do you not know if mm. you have access to that information and you don't know that's then you fault. haven't done your hard work right. that's on you yeah that's a you problem mm. not an organization, organization problem, problem. Okay. right so therefore the first level of conversations within your own self have you gone through it completely and by mm. the way that will also reduce that sense of the imposter exactly because, because then now you're, you're certain you know that i did it. my best i have done my best yeah. i i know what i needed to know mm. and then i'm going out and asking what i need to ask that also gives you the confidence in your in your own abilities with that job correct i think this really helps me to understand a what we've understood what imposter syndrome actually is mm-hmm. uh then how it manifests itself which which is very uh, that that was enlightening to me also because whatever i understood was that it's it's supposed to be a very timid sort of a vulnerable person hiding behind people hiding behind their own thoughts but it's it could also be the other side of the spectrum where they're actually too loud too aggressive uh, shouting unnecessarily that's also an imposter trying 
trying to escape the eyes of the public. Thank you. Thank you so much. It it was a lovely conversation. I learned so much from this. Thank you for having me over and it was really, really wonderful, Sankalp. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Workwise with Nokri. I hope you had as much fun listening to it as we had making it. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Also, do share this with your friends who'd benefit from this episode. I'm Sankalp Dikshit and you are listening to Workwise with Nokri, a career podcast from nokri.com produced by Wine Studios.